Um, tonight, we're going to do something different. Instead of doing the segment where we like to just do, I know I'm getting older because since Todd can't come up with any because he's not getting older. I'm having a hard time. I know, he's struggling. It is. It uh, must be nice to be that delusional. So we've decided to do something else where we're going to have you all give us a topic of... Um, how, uh, I would you rather? Would you rather? Have you ever played that with your kids? And would the sillier, you rather? the better. Right. So if you wait want a minute, who's asking these questions? Well, I okay. So I'm, I, I'm I giving some it out in case it was. I have some prepared good. to just good. in case. But if you have uh, an would you rather to uh, test out on the panel, just text that in. If you don't come up with any, we'll use our lame ones. That's fine, as usual. He said to uh, be G-rated, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, yes. yeah. No spin the bottle type. No, questions. we're not. Fantastic. That, yeah, we're past that, hopefully. <laughs> um, so tonight we do have a topic we're starting out with that someone texted in a while ago, and I feel bad that we have not gotten to this topic. But the topic that was texted in was anti-Baptist. Right, and uh, the, the term that I'm more familiar with is Anabaptist. And so essentially this is from, uh, if you will, the, the history of how we got here and the such. And so we, we are going to, I mean, jump from the mountaintops. If you want to get into the deeper part of it, then I've got books for that, uh, or we can set up an appointment, whatever the case may be. None of this is meant to be accusatory towards other denominations and the such. It just happens to be our history. So simply put, it is our belief as Baptists that there has always been a scriptural church from the cross till now. That belief is called the perpetuity, if you can say that correctly, perpetuity of the church. We were not called Baptist till about the 1500s. And that was just because they dropped the word anna or anti, and that means rebaptizers or anti to baptism. Now, the reason that they would say that is, is because. These were the churches, uh, we would call scriptural New Testament churches, that refused to accept someone as a member of the church just because they had been baptized as an infant. And so uh, once, even though the, the people that were coming uh, via genuine conversion, that still was an offense to the prior church, you know, whatever that situation might have been. Of course, in that day, it was primarily the Catholic church. And so um, that's basically, if you will, in a nutshell. Now, it all stems from the fact that after the cross, many churches fell into heresy, such as baptismal regeneration, which means you have to be baptized to be saved, or that baptism saves you. And once they went down that road, it only stands to reason to get those little boogers saved as quickly as possible. So infant baptism came to be. We're going to spritz them. That's, that's right. Uh, yeah, and, and the original bat, uh, infant baptism was immersion, but they got away from that to sprinkling such of that nature. So when, so when one of these scriptural churches held their ground and an irregular, and that's what they're called in the history books, the irregular church, uh, member who had been infant baptized but never converted, when they converted and came to the Scripture New Testament church, they would be baptized. Why? Because we believe that there are four requirements for scriptural baptism. Proper candidate, have to be saved previous to the baptism. Proper mode, full immersion. 
proper authority, the scriptural New Testament church, proper administrator, which of course is whoever the church says, usually an ordained pastor, can do our baptizing. Uh, this made the irregular churches upset, so they called us Anna or Antibaptist, and that was not a term of endearment. Uh, there was someone protesting uh, the Catholic Church long before Martin Luther, and those were the Anabaptists. Um, if, you, if this is your first go around uh, with listening to me on this subject, uh, I take a loving but firm stand that we are not Protestant. Baptists uh, were around before the Protestant Reformation. Uh, I'm not against Protestants. I just believe that we're not the same. And so, uh, and you would have to go from each denomination to talk about how close some are, if you will, to Baptist doctrine and, and how far some are still from Baptist doctrine. Uh, so that, that's my input. Talk to so, so yes, yeah, so, so <gasps> the, the, the Christian church here. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, that was the deep end of the puddle. <laughs> there, there, what, what's the word for church history? There's another word. Perpetuity. For perpetuity, the church. I, um, I, I heard that word, but that's not, I, perpetuity church, I always think as the, the lineage of the church. That's what I think of it's a big word for a Wednesday night, either way. Perpetuity. <laughs> perpetuity. Perpetuity. Don't say that three times fast. <laughs> you will be cussing. Cussing, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I could. I <laughs> could say it um, so, so the history of, of the Baptist Church, I landed on a, a, a document. If you want this, it's got a lot of footnotes on it. Um, this Jim Ford used to carry these around in his Bible, and it was a letter to Ann Landers who claimed that Baptists were sure. Protestant. He took issue with that. You might know the fellow. Is it Milburn Cockrell? Do you know him? Oh, yeah. So he, he used he, to pastor this church. Milburn Cockrell. Milburn Cockrell, pastor of this church. No kidding. I'd say That's news to 50s, 60s. It's wow. amazing to me that wow. he can remember stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. They can't amazing. remember. What, couldn't tell you what he ate yesterday. No, that's no. what I was going to say. I'm still looking for that one thing that he's waiting, I'm wait, or I'm waiting on the thing that he's looking for. It's all good. <laughs> well, he's got a lot of references here for church history. If you want to copy this, I'll get a, I meant to get here early and get a copy of it uh, about Baptist history. <clears throat> and don't don't live or die on this. I, I've I've let a couple of uh, Protestants see this, and they weren't very impressed with it. Well, well okay, <laughs> so and, and that's a good point. It's not Amen. a poke at Protestantism. It's really not. No, and it, and that's exact, and that's why you know we try so hard, with the exception with liberals, <laughs> but we try so hard not, not to upset anybody. people or offend folks. With that said, uh, truth is truth, and and. You know, I, I've got a, a very dear friend who will remain nameless um, that every time this subject, because this, this fellow calls himself a reformer. That's his identity. He's a reformer. And my joke with him is, is well, do you want to be a part of the people that came out of the doc, uh, heretical church, or do you want to be a people, part of the people that were never a part of the heretical church? You know, just gigging him and, and messing with him. And, he, and so he's come back one day, because we, we talk about this quite often. His um, comeback one day was, uh, well, I've studied some of those churches, and they're not exactly the most, you know, scriptural. Whatever. So, uh, and, and that may be the case. It may be the case. Look at the church at Corinth. Right. They were messed up. They truly were. So there is a lot of grace uh, with God toward his churches. But there is a line, you know, I, I believe that. And I believe that the doctrine of salvation is probably a part of that line. And, and baptism, of course, has a lot to do with that. 
it, it has less to do with it what, than what most people think, if you will, because baptism is just simply not a part of salvation. It is important. Which it, that, that's what I was going to say. Is let's let's kind of swim back yeah. up to the take a, to the surface and take a breath for me and folks like me who are you know they're shallow just water, getting in shallow here. water dwellers. <laughs> so it, it is that from my perspective, baptism has. Can I can I say baptism has nothing to do with salvation? <clears throat> yes, as far as the procurement of it. Okay. It has everything to do with salvation as far as the symbolism of it. Okay. So okay. so it does have something to do with salvation, meaning you know, as far as it's something to the do importance the of importance it, of it, uh, symbolizing it, uh, if you will, even understanding it. You know, uh, I mean, how but you many don't have to be baptized to go right. to heaven. No, I could be, I could be saved according to you know, again, a professed saved individual, and walk yeah. out the door, get struck by lightning, dead before the Sunday that I got baptized, and I'm still going. That's to heaven. what happened to the thief on the cross. There, he there got go. crucified there before he got a chance that's to get a, baptized. That's a that's a great example. Well. And, and I'm sorry, Terry. Well, ahead. so comment to this because I can, um, my whole life, can remember my dad saying, well, you know what the problem is? They need to get their baptism on the right side of their salvation. Right. That was a huge right. battlefield, if you will, for him personally was baptism. Now, so what do you say to people like, well, is it that important? Is it not that important? How, how, what are we, what are your feelings there? So I have had this conversation with literally, in 19 years, hundreds of people. Because we're not all Baptists. We're not. And so when God brings someone from a different faith and they want to join the church, then we have that hurdle, if you will, of baptism. And uh, you can bring any of those people in here. There's, there's not a one that can say that I've mistreated them if they'd be honest, and what, what I do well, tell them in, in love that I've had this conversation with. Oh, Relative. Like Gavin's a deacon sitting at the table yeah. with a mic on. I don't, right. I don't know if that flies. But Look at this I tell them, if, if they can give me a biblical profession of faith, they can tell me that there was a time that they have repented of their sins, they've, there's a time that they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, so on and so forth. I will not, on any level, question their salvation, but unless they have had what we call a scriptural New Testament baptism, which is the four things that we just went through, then I, we ask them humbly to submit to baptism. Now, the first six to eight years as pastor, I always got so worked up about that conversation, and, and I'd pray and pray and pray, and that's always a good thing, and, and some of them would go well, some of them wouldn't, and any more... Just, just to be straight up honest with you, anymore I have more conversations about one particular line in that church covenant than I do baptism. Because uh, baptism now, uh, I, I just explained to them, we're not asking you to recant your former baptism. We're not asking you to do that. We're asking you to submit to what we believe to be a scriptural way to baptize someone. And here's my question, and Brad Banderman was the one that helped me in this area. Do you feel the Holy Spirit's leadership to join this church? Well, yes, I do. Most of them will tell me that. And then I'll tell them, the Holy Spirit knows what we require. <laughs> so he's asking you 
to humbly submit to that. And again, we're not going to have you stand in front of this church and say, well, I was baptized so-so, but I'm so sorry. Nothing like that, because that was a joyous time, if, unless obviously it was infant baptism, and it probably wasn't very joyous. But my point is, is that if you've been baptized somewhere else, that, that was a wonderful time for you, and we're not asking you to recant that. And that's what I was, the point that I was going to make as to why is it so important to us. And, and I think that, that you just nailed it you know, up to the wall right, right there with the fact that baptism for our church here at Bethel equals membership. Correct. And, and so when you look at that as kind of the, the you, you, can, you can go visit, and I don't know if I want to use this. I'm going to use this for Ben because Ben knows what I'm talking about. This is not for y'all out there in radio land <laughs> or just in listen. Our this is just, just Ben and I talking. You can go visit the cow pasture and stand at the fence. It does not make you a cow, and it does not make you a part of the cow herd. And then make you you have to go through the fence and get on the other side you know, to, to be a cow and be in the cow pasture. Right. So I think that that part of baptism allows you to, to, to enter through the gate of fellowship with the church as we see it. I mean, is that, is that an accurate yeah, depiction? No, absolutely. And, and two things I would add and to And you can't that. become a cow. Sorry. Right. I mean, I know no. some of you want to. Two things that, that we want to just nail down here. Uh, baptism is identification. There you go. In the Old Testament, it was circumcision. True story. New Testament, baptism. You're identifying with Christ. Number two, it is your first step of obedience that God is asking you to do after you're saved. Je Jesus was baptized. And Hebrews tells us, that just as Jesus was baptized, he is our example in all things. Right. And we are to follow him in baptism. And, and look at that example as to why were they being baptized. They were being baptized as, as an example to the other folks around them that, hey, I'm no longer bound by that law. Right. I, I, I'm, bound, I'm bound by the, the, the law that I have. Yeah, it's regeneration. And I'm, I'm bound by, you know, what... What it is that the gospel says, not by the, the Jewish law. So if I wanted to be baptized again, would you baptize me again? You? Me, meaning, in other words, I just words, want to go through the symbolism again. I just want to go through the symbolism again. I think as long as the church would sign off on that, I would not have so a So it's not that. a sin to get baptized twice. No, it is no. not. All right. I don't think so either because I, I look at it, I look at it as a commitment. And I'll, I'll just talk to you about my. But I expect to see a change. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, I think that that's it because when you look at and I'll just tell my story. You know, from from baptism, I don't know how much longer we've got, but when we came it's in, supposed to be a short either. second. Yeah, no kidding. We're gonna breeze through this. Um, coming was it, it was a signification to, that that I was willing to 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 live a changed life and be a part of an organization, meaning the church. And, and I was going to live up to the, to the, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, not live up to, but, but live by the, man, the mandates and the standards and try to be the best that I could be. And I was, I was telling them that through baptism. So, it was a commitment. Yeah, it was a commitment. So I, I think that that absolutely this, is a great way to... I mean, as far as the New Testament goes, isn't there a place where Paul talks about people being baptized for the dead or their relatives? So some people were getting baptized several times in, mm. their, in their Christian walk. So I... I if, if you're if you're hung up on that, you baptize them, you know, getting baptized only one time um, is the scriptural way. There there are even scriptural examples of people being baptized for other people. Sure. Uh, what the whether that was the prescribed way, whether that made any difference, other than you wanted to make some kind of a public show of um, hope that your relatives were Christians. My, my understanding is that they were dead, right. that they were being baptized for relatives that had, had passed away. So, 
Someone texted in, um, this is good to know. I was born slash baptized in the Catholic Church and was then rebaptized um, as a Baptist. Nope. I think um, just a very, well, when my nephew was baptized at the church, he was baptized at, there were several young adults getting baptized, hallelujah, that day. And the pastor spoke on baptism, knowing that there would probably be a lot of visitors for this and why it's important. And he uh, did kind of a little object lesson where he had dirty dishes and then a wash basin. And then he, you know, dipped the clean or the dirty dish, got it clean, you know, washed it, set it over here. And he said, now this is clean. I didn't wash it and put it back with the dirty dishes. I washed it and set it aside. You're being set aside. Amen. It was just a neat yeah, analogy. That is good. good. That's a good analogy. Uh, that's way better than cows. Yeah, yeah. Christina Fogg reminded me that we, we have done that very thing here uh, because she requested to be baptized again, uh, and it was to show her family that she was serious and the such. Amen. Uh, and she got baptized when her son, stepson Gavin got baptized. And amen. so, uh, amen. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm for baptisms. It helps our numbers. <laughs> oh. Terrible. Oh. Terrible. So run everybody through we one more time. We all need it. We got a whole segment. We were going down the mid. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll take a break there. Um, so just a few announcements. As always, we have a lot coming up. The men's Bethel Men's Shooting Club, because it's a club now. They're not just club. getting together yeah. randomly. They are a club. They <laughs> The Bethel Men's Militia. It's going out on the interwebs. <laughs> Don't tell Oh, no. Um, so they're going to meet at the Gun Shack Thursday, March 16th. It is adults only at 630. And it says coming soon. So, ladies, if you are, um, if you're interested in shooting, there will be a ladies' night. So keep your ears peeled for that. Uh, is there not a date on that? Not yet. I, I don't have date. a date. I can't remember. I don't have a date yet. Okay. Um, and it's daylight savings time. I noticed we hadn't really mentioned that a lot this weekend. Ooh. Were you trying you to did. keep it top no. secret to get people no. here an hour early? Or, <laughs> you know, years ago, my parents. the numbers on first <laughs> service. My parents said that years ago. People, first service. They missed daylight savings, and they came to church, and it was Sunday school. And that was the first time they ever attended Sunday there school. There you go. And attended. Sabotage. At, yeah. And they decided, you know what? That was God, and we're just going to be here every Sunday from Amen. now on. So. I used to announce it like fear to help people. I did that for 10 years. I had more people miss it when I announced it than do now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that is this weekend. So um, You're on your own recovery. Losing that's an that's hour right. of You're sleep. An adult. Or for Wake people up. with small children at home, you weren't going to get that sleep anyway, that's so it right. doesn't matter. Um, somebody texted in. They wanted to know when the ladies' night is coming for the shooting club and um, who they can contact. You can contact. Pat Ross. Yes. Stephen Pat Ross. So, um, if somebody texted and also you don't, if you don't change your clock, you will not be late. You'll just be early. So there you go. That's, That's why he doesn't announce it in the spring. In the fall, I mean, it's a full-on <laughs> campaign. <Yeah. laughs> Six months in, we're Flying like, hey, don't forget, it's coming. <laughs> Um, and also, if you're interested, there are some openings in the nursery for ladies or for couples. Um, I've always, whenever I think of my own babysitting schedule, I always say it takes a small army. I have an army of people I can call if I need a sitter. I look at the nursery the same way. We need an army need of an people. Army. So They're if you're looking it. to dive in with some level of helping out, they will take you pretty much anytime, anywhere. Um, just contact Shirley Rapold about that. All right. So I'm just saying, anybody? Oh, yeah. 
So uh, it's March Madness. I think the panel should have a bracket challenge. Ooh. <laughs> Accepted. <laughs> I knew I knew you would. I got my. Would you rather something or something else? I'm writing it down though. Do a challenge bracket or would you rather do a stick in the eye? Stick in the eye. Yeah. So get rid of a stick in the eye or a challenge bracket? Do I have to buy a bracket? Stick no. In the How does this no. work? You, you just download just one off of the internet. Get oh. Tom Nace to help you. Yeah. And no, you get get Tristan. Get my son Tristan. He's like. Yeah, you bet. Hey, you know like what? Bracket. I probably have about as much. That's that. What are we doing right now? Is it? I'm just saying. Yeah. My, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I have as much March Madness savvy as Tom Nace has internet savvy. There you go. So Tom Boom. cannot so print it out. Yeah. So yeah. So we actually do fill one out in our family. Each member, even Sadie, she's three. So somebody fills one out for her. And whoever wins the bracket gets to pick a restaurant oh, to there go you out go. to dinner. Nice. There you go. So Tristan won, and we had to eat a Chinese buffet. So Ooh. I know. I, it's like I got shot with a tranquilizer. We <laughs> both went home and just, <laughs> I just crashed out. But I like, like it. Like zombie driving. I know. <laughs> it's like, this is, you're not supposed to consume this stuff. I know there's MSG in that because my mind is, <laughs> the right. cylinders are not turning. <laughs> If I quit eating MSG, I'm going to drive up. It's got to have my daily dose. Oh, shoot. Keeps you young. That's right. It's preservative. <laughs> Brett, Brett's got my, <laughs> my, I'm just saying, i got to get my laser pointer out. A laser pointer. Yeah. The either. laser. Oh, boy. So this is the market, the combined market tool. <laughs> oh. And you can see Mr. Trump's influence on the market and that everybody was expecting Hillary to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Free good. market likes Trump, I'm just saying. Hmm. Wow. You can't it seems political to me. Yeah, I, you can't deny the was going to say, there. Was that political? Were we not supposed <laughs> to just, No, yeah. I'm messing with you. Did I just, that did seems I like just a pretty high spike, memo. too. You know, like usually the stock market, uh, uh, like, you know, like, it's, it's but that's pretty, pretty high, high like, like forever. That's a pretty, that's a lot <laughs> yeah, of climbing yeah. right there. Amen. Wow. And I, I can remember it was uh, <coughs> 1996 in Jonesboro, Arkansas. I was driving to work when the Dow beat 6,000. I'm serious. And it's it a big was day. a big deal. It's four yeah. times that. We yeah. might not Almost ever see then. this number again. When was that? Oh, wow. In 1996. Should have yeah. bought stock. I should have bought stock. <laughs> Lord, hell. What was the price of a gallon of milk? <laughs> Or gas know. or whatever. The wife bought back yeah. then. Yeah. The cheapest I remember gas, 32 cents a gallon. That's the cheapest I remember driving down the... Well, well this see, is going to get out of hand. I remember the low, yeah. This. I remember when it hit 50 cents. My dad hit the roof. <laughs> it's the commies. It's all their fault. Oh, man, he was upset. Anyway, The Russians hacked it. That's right. All you right. remember when we paid 3.40 a gallon going to Florida? Oh, uh -huh. good Lord. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I was working at Slew. I saw today it was coming back down a little bit. So. Yeah, man. Excited All right. about that. Um, so Greg. if you were here on Sunday, you might have heard Ben talk about the shack or the case for Christ was mentioned in the sermon, both of those. So right. we were going to kind of expand on that. So topic two, here we go. Yes, and um, won't go into great detail, but uh, I hear that there's been a small, on the internet, <laughs> with, with differing opinions on the shack and such, and <laughs> hallelujah, that's all well and good. Uh, I was visiting ground zero with right, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have a dog in that. Yeah, I, I know. So I know. Just, just, here's the deal. Um, 
if you want to get a excellent quote unquote biblical viewpoint of the book, I would send you to Albert Moeller and you can just you can Google that and it'll come right up. And I've not read the book. My wife read the book. Um, I, I read a few pages of the book and basically checked out. Uh, I am, my wife, I think, has aptly put that it really depends on your spiritual gift whether or not you're going to like this book. If you're the spiritual gift of prophecy, which is you see things black and white, it's either right or wrong, then uh, you're probably not going to like the book. If you're a mercy, that you're, you, you want to meet people where they're at and the such, uh, you, you're, you probably love the book. Uh, so... With all of that said, when the movie came out, I kind of mumbled under my breath, well, I'll never see that, you know, so-and-so movie and such of that nature. Um, I wasn't too thrilled Perpetuity. about it. Perpetuity. Open mind. Yeah, yep. oh, open mind. That's right. Uh, so, uh, there's another movie coming out that it's not spiritual at all, but I want to go see it. And so, I made a little, you know, deal with the wife, and I said, if you'll go see that with me, I'll go see The Shack with you. Well, Todd and Melissa. Is it's King Kong? Emma. <laughs> Emma, Melissa hasn't seen it yet. I'm sorry. Emma, I thought I said Emma. Yeah. Emma and Todd, Saturday afternoon, went and seen the movie. And he and I came here and did the video that you hopefully saw before Sunday. Um, and he just was nonplussed by it. He was blessed by it. He was moved by it. And he said, you've got to go see it. You know. So we'd already pretty much decided, but we didn't know when we were going to go. So we went Saturday night. And I was moved by it. I, I was blessed by it. It, it, it really challenged me. I, I can't, I mean, it's been a while since I've had a judgmental thought because it really, and, and what I mean by that is every time I've tried to have the judgmental thoughts that I used to constantly have, the Holy Spirit is fresh there because of that situation in that movie. Because you see it. Right. Um, and, and I'm not going to sit here and give it all away because I don't know how many of you have been able to, to see it. And it's, for me, it's not like greater that I'm like, oh, you got to go. As much as I, I, I don't think you're going to sin if you do go see it. And, and I believe that it will challenge you and the such. Now, as far as all the furor about, you know, the, the, the quote unquote heresy and, and doctrinal purity of the movie, I, I will not vouch for that. <laughs> meaning if you find heresy in it then that's between you and the Lord and you probably shouldn't go see it type thing uh, I will tell you this based on what uh, Mr. Moeller says about the book I probably won't be reading the book and the such but I can tell you as going have gone seen the movie that's not there that I could see uh, now that there are two lines that if I was given editing ability I'd take them out just like that there are some things that I disagree with the movie, but I can't sit here and say that it was heresy. And so, um, have you been able to see it yet? Have not. Okay, have Todd. Not. Do you, have you heard anything about it? Any? I know you don't have a dog in the fight, but when it comes down to I'm it, neutral on it as far as a movie. I, I'm, I'm very pro-getting Christian doctrine, principles, uh, philosophy into art, artwork. I'm very pro that. But. Gotcha. How many have seen it? How many here have seen it? One. One. All right. Okay. Uh, I gotta see it. Do you have anything? Uh, my any chances argument? of getting to read a book for pleasure are pretty slim. Or go slim. to the movie? <laughs> pretty have slim. You, have you eh, been to the movie? I haven't been to the movies in a long time. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Have you heard anything about it, though? I mean, any talk, water cooler talk? I've got nothing. I know I have one of my sisters read it. That's all I've got. Gotcha. Did so she like it? She said it was a good book. I should read it. Yeah. And that was about a decade ago. Gotcha. Before I had, that was <laughs> well, before I had three long. kids. It's been out that long. <laughs> so, so I didn't read the, I didn't even know there was a book, to be perfectly honest. I had no, no idea. I, I had heard about it. I heard a review on Focus on the Family um, on, through an internet source. And so I, I, I had, and Focus on the Family is endorsing the movie. They're, they're, they're really in-depth on it. Uh, and so it, it caused me to at least be interested enough to, to go, want to go see it and just check it I'm out for myself. I'm yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's where I think that the biggest majority of the fight is coming from is people are, are taking this as, I'm going to go see this movie and it's going to change my uh, theology or it's going to change my doctrine. It's going to corrupt it's, me. It's going to corrupt <clears throat> me. And, and I, my, my first question to that is, what, what was the last movie you saw before that one? Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, and I don't think I can move things with my mind. <laughs> Thank you. Not yet, anyway. Thank you. I, and, and that that <laughs> really was cool my whole point. Yeah. I, and, and so, you know, I, I, didn't, I did not do anything like to that effect in, in the, the um, whatever you want to call it, the dialogue that I had on, on the Internet um, through social media with this. But one, the, the biggest question that I have for folks is, why can you not? We, I mean, we talk all the time here specifically about educating ourselves on the other side. What better way to be able to say, oh, well, there's, there's at least an, an ongoing debate about this movie. Maybe I should go check it out and decide for myself, how, how do I measure this biblically? And then if I have a question about, well, how, how does my faith line up with what's being said here? then I need to seek some, some counsel because that's what the Bible says. If I don't understand it, then I need to Look talk the to, the, to, yeah. to whoever it is that is doing my discipleship training or my mentor in the church and say, what, what do you think about this? This is what I took from it. What does the so, Bible say about it? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I think there has been a reaction to is that um, God is portrayed as a black woman. And I don't know that that is what is being called heresy or not. But, but if that is one of the things that's being called heresy, I, I will tell you that it's just a misunderstanding of what the movie is trying to do in that situation. They are yeah. not saying that they believe that God is a black woman. Right. God is portraying himself as a woman because of Mac, which is the main guy in the character, of his relationship with his, his father. father. Right. Which was terrible, right. terrible. And and I think that you have to look at. I'll I'll, I'll take what Don said and, t- and take it maybe not one <laughs> step further, but change it a little bit. If you are a line in the sand, black and white person, when it comes to arguing, you you're probably not going to enjoy this movie Blessed. at all because you're going to get hung up on on exactly what he just said. And it's it's an opening scene. God is portrayed as as, as a black woman. And if, if you can't get past that, based off of that being symbolism, because that's exactly what it is, because I'm, I'm just going to ruin this part of it, in the movie, God, God changes. You know, God is not depicted in the movie as the, as the black woman through the whole movie. It, it, later on in the movie, it, it's depicted by, by someone else. And it really isn't. It's not a huge surprise. But that, to me, confirmed that the movie was not telling me that God is a black woman. That's not what it's saying. It's the symbolism. But God can reach it through whatever vector he needs to get exactly. in contact and with you. That was one of the points that I did bring out via social media was God, God has an uncanny ability to meet us where we're at. 
right in the middle of whatever pain it is, sometimes right in the middle of the joy. And, and, and he is able to, he is able to be um, all-knowing and ever-present in all of the things that my feeble human mind cannot possibly <coughs> understand to say that even the idea that, that he could be, you know, a, a black woman to meet the needs of someone Portray uh, himself, or, as portray as himself yes, as. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So, um, so quickly, what did Focus on the Family say? Because I do use their movie reviews. What I, I, was their? Th the 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 push was just to go see the movie, yeah. and it was because of exactly what Gavin said: the fact that it's driving people to have a conversation about God, about Jesus, and and to ask Christians the questions that are being exposed through this movie because it, i mean it's obviously a secular movie there's no there that was another it's not a christian film it yeah. wasn't put out as a christian right. film right. it is not a christian film yeah. now i will say this i think the greatest use of this movie is not for christians oh i agree absolutely 100 percent for this absolutely. movie is lost people amen and, and i i personally i can't tell you that we won't have a situation where we invite the public to come and discuss the shack. A amen. Because it might be an excellent way for us to get Start into people's lives. And, yeah. you know, and I think that that was where I kept going back to was, for me, I sat there the whole time going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. I have so many lost friends that I've had conversations yeah. with that amen. are smack dab. You know, they're painting the picture and it's vivid and it's bright and it's, it is, if I could explain it better, they, this is what they would see. This is what my friends would see, me explaining how God can love and, and there be evil in the world. This, I, this whole thing of how can God, a, a just, all-knowing, all-powerful God, allow evil things to happen to good people. Right. Um, the situation with Mac is exactly your dear friend. Uh, with his daughter and the such, same situation, yeah. same situation. It's really crazy. And so, it, it is, again, right? what, I, what I wanted to point out there was <laughs> is that a lot of the people who are having a problem with this are so educated in either theology or they're, they are they're, they're <coughs> senior saints, whatever you want to call it, the word, they're experienced Christians is a, mm -hmm. another good word that I would say, that the folks that we are trying to reach as Christians they have no clue what you're talking about. I would, I would fair to say that if I went to, to 10 of my friends who are unsaved, they wouldn't know what the word heresy meant. Right. And I'm telling you that this movie, outside of what I, would, what I would, could use the word and the term heresy, they don't even know what that means. And it, and it means nothing to them. <coughs> so the idea of them asking me a question about Jesus and about what they saw in this movie to open the door and plant seeds for, a, I mean, a yeah. salvation conversation. Good, good discussion well, about who God is and, and what his character is. And I was reading that book that I brought last week, uh, Stealing from God. <clears throat> you should ask people who are atheists to describe the God that they don't believe in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when they get done, 99% of the time you'll say, I don't believe in that God either. So this is a really good way That's to good. start the conversation maybe with this movie. So let me say these things here, and, and if these are offensive, they're not meant to be. Don't go see the shack if you are needing a doctrinal lesson. Amen. <laughs> Don't go see the shack if you can't define the word fiction. Right. If you can define the word fiction and you know what that means, then that's what the shack is. It's fiction. It has some, if you will, some biblical principles and ideas in it. Don't go see the shack if you have had to swear off whole catfish because you kept trying to eat the bones. 
I'm serious. I, I'm serious, and it sounds like I'm being mean. I'm, There's I'm not. Symbolism there. Yeah. There is yeah. some symbolism yeah. there. <laughs> it was early on that Jerry Jolly told me, Ben, when I eat whole catfish, I just eat the meat. I throw the bones away. Right. And I have used that ever since. Go see the shack if you want to be moved by God's individual love for mankind. Amen. Dawn and I have said several times, God is especially fond of me. Yeah. You know, and that's what they say in the movie. I personally think that the shack is great for lost people. I would not encourage you to read the book based on Al Mohler's article. The movie softens or corrects most of that doctrinal confusion. Uh, I talked to one pastor that had read the book, had great issues with the book. He went to the movie. He feels like the movie set it straight. He, he really does. Uh, and I trust this guy. The movie's not saying that God is black. Well, we already covered that, so. Okay, okay. can I finish? You got something, Tara? Go ahead. No, um, continue. So I had a thing that was sent to me. Uh, um, there was a best explanation after, after the discussions that I had had, and so I just want to real quickly, as fast as possible, um, is the, read this. Just real quick, is the author Christian? The author of the Shack? That's is my understanding. So, so that's where, and that's where I've, been, the book for his children. I, I've been set straight. Is he, he, as much as he is a professed Christian, his theology, from what I have now read about what he personally believes, there, there are definitely some questionable things about what he believes. No, no different than, you know, it, I don't even know. I don't have an example. He, there's some theological yeah. things that I differ with, and I would say he's probably. I, 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 we definitely don't agree on, but it, it is not as explicit <coughs> in the movie as it was in, the, in book. the book. And so that's what I'm finding out more so than anything else is that the book definitely delved a little bit more into his personal opinions and preferences than the, the movie did. And so here, here is the. Uh, this is from a pastor uh, from Colorado who is from. Uh, Colorado, I guess maybe in Oklahoma now. Um, oh, come on. I tried to give you a cover there, time, Todd. I know. Sorry, I was you. I was talking. <laughs> Filler time. Yeah. Well, so l while you're looking for that, let's start our "Would You Rather" uh, thing. We can always come back to that. Before I found we, it. You, you, are you good? Yeah, I'm there. All right. All right so it's at it. Um, the movie was well-produced, well-written, and powerfully portrayed in ways many faith-friendly films fall short. I appreciate excellence. What is more worthy of note, perhaps, is the premise of the story. Theologically imperfect, as it may be, reinforces and parallels my own journey of healing, forgiveness, severe, and severe mercy. The movie almost forces the viewer, at least this viewer, to dig deep into one's own story and unearth, the, unearth an attempt to resolve a seemingly unresolvable question that many people have about God, pain, and forgiveness. How can a good God allow terrible evil? Is God always good? Why do I need God to be the judge rather than myself? How can I forgive the unforgivable? Can we really know good from bad without God's help? These are just the few questions that the shack tackles in profound and richly meaningful ways. These themes, to my mind, represent some of the truly useful philosophical themes, but perhaps still fall short of sound theology per se. About 90 minutes into the film, I looked around the theater to find at least half of the viewers sniffling, sobbing, or crying to some varying degree of intensity. I got the distinct feeling that some in the theater weren't crying so much for Mac as much as they were allowing their own painful questions to surface. It, to me, was as, as if some were emotionally were trying to emotionally open up to the idea of a God that could actually heal them. It was a profound moment for me to observe, as it seemed to be thus for many others in the theaters. 
And then he goes on to say, and then I just I want to skip down. It says, in short, the shack is a theological, imperfect, and extremely disarming invitation to millions of readers and viewers to reconsider God's goodness as well as our own complete inadequacy without him. As a Christian pastor, I want to recommend this movie to everyone. And he said, and they find, this, is, this is it right here, the nail in the coffin right here. Get your theology from the Bible. Go enjoy the shack. There you go. Uh, Josh uh, had real cut put on here the um, 13 heresies in the shack. If you Google that, it'll come up. I saw Gavin looking at it, Pulling too. it up just now, too. Uh, and, and Josh says, not judging, just haven't seen the movie, uh, but have seen this all over the Internet. Right. And perusing those 13 things, half of them... I could explain to you why it doesn't. Subjective. Yeah. Subjective. Right. It's just, just like you can look at a shade of a color and right. say, I say it's green, you right. say it's blue. Yeah, that's Gavin exactly. has blue carpet in his house that Denise and Don both the say it's green. is still raging. Yeah. 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 So well, they've it's lost their ever loving mind. It's blue. It's blue. It's blue. No, no, it's green. Right. It's green. All right. So. It green? It's green. <laughs> it's, uh, it's safe to say we're going <laughs> to have to. color you said first. green. We're going to have to save the case for Christ for next week because. No, that. we'll fit that in. This, are you gonna this, Are you gonna mm-hmm. squeeze it in? Okay. Aren't we talking about revival? We are. I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze that in. Okay. Um, so in that case, we'll do our first. Would you rather? And um, someone said, "Would you rather quote live a day in your kid's shoes, as in you know like walk a mile in another man's shoes kind of scenario, um, or literally spend a day wearing shoes that are too small?" Before Tony permed his whole hair, yes, I would be willing to live a day in his shoes. <laughs> not, not since. This is not a bad option. I don't want to. Oh, uh, I don't want to go back to junior high. Can you see high. Gavin with Tony's per- perm? Per- yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Shake your hair. <laughs> I'm well, just Tom, thinking. Would you rather? I, I would rather wear small shoes. I would rather no wear way. small shoes. Would I go back yeah, to junior, junior high. high. Forget that. I have a picture of myself I had a perm in junior <laughs> from high. junior high. Saved for my children, just to say, like, this I just is the awkwardness the, yeah. of what I dealt with. It's okay. <laughs> the movie A Christmas Story. Yeah. Ralphie, oh, yeah. that's yeah. me. You're going to you shoot, shoot out. My, shoot your eye out. <laughs> but I'd I didn't say fudge. shoot my eye out and pick a basketball <laughs> bracket. Do you have any? <clears throat> do you, do you have that any? was the only one I had. Do you have okay. another one? Uh, would you rather binge watch The March Madness or Easter Shop for the next two weeks? Or what? Or what? Man, Easter shop tough. for the next two weeks. Yeah, March, oh, March Madness. Wow. I already it's, told. I already told it's the kids. It's about the same. <laughs> what, what? Yeah. What do you Easter shop for? I mean, what are you going that's to find a dress. basket? <laughs> dress. It, and that's, that, see that. That's the beauty of a would you rather. It has to be equally tough or exciting yeah. or enjoyable. I didn't even know that you're supposed to shop And here's Easter. the That's complexity. Like I find both of those wonderful. Like, which one would I want to do more? Are you kidding? Those are both great options. I find one wonderful. I find the other pretty close to purgatory. I, I would rather have, for both of those, have someone pluck my eyelashes out one at a time with tweezers while I was Ouch. awake. Gavin? Mm. Yeah. Well, well, my, I, you, we said mine a while ago. Rather no, but I mean, would you rather binge watch the Man, that's March tough. Madness or go Easter oh shopping for two weeks straight. Oh my gosh, that means you straight. could get, sit on I'm the couch. Would you yeah. actually get okay. to use the couches? <laughs> Sign yeah, me I up. Would, I, would go, <laughs> I would go shopping. <laughs> it was March Madness one year when Molly asked me, "Do you love basketball more than us, Dad?" Oh, Ooh. yikes! Yeah. Insightful. Yep, out of the mouths Hel- of babes. Yeah. Um, so coming up here as well, just and you didn't know the Easter walk um, is essentially underway for the planning and um, 
just getting people ready for that. So if you want to participate, um, please talk to David Mails. He would take your help in any capacity. And there's, we need your help. Yeah, there's David. signs up all over for cookies, and um, if you can bring those. Uh, but most importantly, if you want to just start praying, praying for the people that are here putting it on, for the people that need David. to come, for um, just the opportunity for people to invite people that they know should come. So things like that. You can always start praying. And if you're struggling with feeling like you need to get out of the salt shaker, this would be a good event to be a part of. Really would. We're doing it. Amen. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just said I could do. <laughs> I could do whatever he wanted on there Saturday. You go. Ooh. And uh, cool, cool, cool. Johnny would make a good Roman. I soldier. know he's yeah. at the firehouse. I told him that. So oh, maybe next year. Really. So he maybe don't next work three days in a row. Well, he's got two of the three. <laughs> hey. Wow, that's pretty judgy. Yeah. You should watch, no, he no. should watch the show. Call again. me out like whatever it was, knife I got stuck in my back when we started this thing. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right, so for our third and final topic, um, this is an article that came from The Blaze um, that Ben kind of sent out, and it was really good. Uh, we talked about revival last week. Um, this was a pastor, Greg Laurie. He's from um, a Christian church in California, and he presented a challenge to essentially all Christians. So, and and we're uh, we're getting some of those books in. We're going to hand some of those books out uh, Sunday as some door prizes uh, because we're. we're <clears throat> you remember two years ago, uh, this pastor did a series on tell your story, and I've not been able to get away from that. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that we necessarily uh, pinned it down as well as we could have and should have, but the Lord keeps bringing me back to it, just like the Sunday that I went to the church that Brandon Burlesworth used to be a part of. The message was on Tell Your Story, and now Greg Laurie is challenging uh, all of the world's Christians to tell the good news. And essentially, uh, him and 12 other, uh, and maybe more now, but 12 other uh, organizations like uh, Samaritan's Purse, uh, Franklin Graham, and the such, they have signed on encouraging people to, in this negative news cycle, to give good news. Could I just read just Please. those first two paragraphs so that you know, um, since you weren't able to read this, sure. um, what he said, and here's the article, more than two dozen evangelical leaders signed a joint statement this week calling on Christians to make 2017 a year of good news. While Americans' airways are polluted with fake news, distracting news, divisive news, disorderly news, and sometimes depressing news, which is so true. So I true. mean, fake news is, I feel like, the news anymore. The, news. Um, the letter was spearheaded by Greg Laurie, founder and senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Um, and it was first published on Tuesday when he and his fellow Christian leaders committed themselves to making the message of Jesus Christ um, transcend the monopoly of the media. And he said, I think in our particular time in America, when we have so many divisions, divisions on racial lines, divisions on political lines, divisions along so many lines, that it is very important for followers of Christ to stand up for what we believe is good news in a bad world. Amen. And so, uh, basically, what I want to tell you is, is that this is how revival gets started. Uh, and it, as if we, it takes a humility to say, well, okay, if the Lord's not going to quote-unquote start revival in me, will I hitch my wagon to someone that it seems like he is mo moving in? And, and, and I, I believe we should. I believe we should hitch our wagon uh, to this. 
I see Franklin Graham and Greg Laurie as leaders in our world. Uh, these are the people, if things get ugly and bad uh, in a way of uh, that Christianity becomes illegal, these are going to be the first people in jail. Uh, be, you know, the old saying is, is if Christianity was illegal, would there be enough to convict you? Well, you know, Franklin Graham is probably the most well-known Christian man. Convictable. Se- convictable guy, right. Lots so evidence. W- with all of that said, there, there it is, the article. Good stuff, Brad. Um, the, uh, so to piggyback on that, <clears throat> for us to, to hitch our wagon to that, uh, you know, we, it, it's, a, it's a thing that we say by rote anymore, and hopefully it never becomes ritualistic or empty or vain. But we encourage you to invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives. And so all we're asking you to do now is just go that one step further. And if your friends, neighbors, and relatives won't come to church, then just go ahead and invite them to Christ. Introduce them. Tell them your story. Introduce them to Christ. Take Christ to them. If they won't come here to hear about Christ, take Christ to them. And yes, you're already doing that by your daily life, hopefully and prayerfully. But, but, But let's get intentional about it. And um, so the case for Christ is coming out on that weekend of Easter. And so I'm encouraging you, obviously, uh, it's the weekend before Easter, April 7th, 8th, and 9th. And that happens to be our walk. So you'll have to pick another time to take your friends to that movie because we need you to be involved in the walk because uh, that's also a way to bring your friends uh, to Christ. But um, I guess what I'm getting at is, is it seems everything seems to be falling in place for us to intentionally invite our friends, neighbors, and relatives to Christ. So I just encourage you to prayerfully consider that. Comments? I, I was talking to one of my kids this week, and I can't remember who it was, which one it was about how, well, actually, it was one of the guys at work, one of, the, one of my employees was talk, we're talking about this, and I, I, I believe that God in every generation leaves a door open to that generation, and understanding that generation is critical to delivering the gospel to them and we were talking in context of millennials and every time you say millennials to somebody that's 40 or older they roll their eyes oh millennials Mm -hmm. millennials and i don't mean to be that to be offensive there is a cultural difference between millennials the millennial generation even the x generation and then uh the uh boomers i mean uh, we're we're completely different context culturally and the, the millennials are the one that Todd's talking about. They wouldn't know what the word heresy meant if you, you know, heresy may be a rock band for all they know. And It'd be a great rock band. Actually, yeah. they're really good name for a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> be a good burger, too. Yeah. Hardest heresy. Heresy burger. Give me one of them heresy burgers. <laughs> yeah. With cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Lines right up with their commercials. Perfect we're fit. Yeah, we're ready. You just had to go there, didn't you, man? Back on the Hardy's hiatus. <laughs> so the, the millennials, Ravi Zacharias has pinned them, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can see. They, they hear with their eyes. This is his description of the millennial generation. They, they, they hear with their eyes, and they think with their feelings. So trying to teach them doctrinal truth you're going to be like it'd be like trying to grab smoke but if you approach them in a relational way if you start for talking about the relational train wrecks in their life which is first-hand experience for a lot of millennials which is why they're adrift in on the sea without a compass or a map you, you can take to them a, a relationship with someone that transcends all other relationships and if you have 
relationship after relationship after relationship, including your parents and relatives and brothers and sisters that have been train wrecks, how about a, experiencing a relationship that heals other relationships? Mm. I can introduce you into so, to someone who gives you the understanding of what a right, healthy relationship is, and you can experience it, for, experience it firsthand with him for eternity. And that, in turn, starts to heal relationships around you. When you start to have the input of a positive relationship, it can change the pe you and the people around you. So I, I think that honestly might be the door into the millennial generation. However we do it, um, wh whether the case for Christ, whether we, we talk about good news, the good news might just be, hey, there's somebody you can have a relationship that will never change. Mm -hmm. you, you can have an eternal relationship with him that will be a positive influence in your life for eternity. It, it will turn around the outlook of your life. It'll give you hope. It'll give you purpose. It'll help you understand the meaning of your birth, wh why you're here. That relationship will change all, all other relationships. If that's all they have, that's all they cling to is the, the millennials. To me, that... Uh, that's the key. Some, somebody else said, uh, Carolyn Barnes said one time, it's the, the down and outers, which now are the millennial generation. They're not all down and out. Some are very gifted. Some are, have very positive work experience. But they don't necessarily belong to a clique. They belong to each other. I, th mm -hmm. I think of the millennials that way. They mm -hmm. belong to each other. So relationally, maybe the way to, to approach this generation. That's what I call a winning argument. And, you know, w w whether it's with atheists, as you've already said, uh, that, that was a winning <coughs> argument. Or millennials, you know, relationship, that's a winning argument. And if we're serious about reaching the world, w we've got to arm ourselves with those winning arguments. Mm -hmm. Well, I like in that article where he said, keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm -hmm. um, and he just said, focus on the gospel rather than getting sidetracked by social issues is what he said. And that's true. Amen. Really, Revelations 3.20 comes to mind. Uh, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him. Um, so Jesus is knocking and asking for a relationship with every individual including and especially the millennial generation, he is especially fond of them uh, personally, individually. That's a shack reference. Well, oh, no. <laughs> well, also in that article, he said that when people have, um, basically when people have come to the Lord and have an active relationship with Christ, then you don't have people with um, being called racist. You don't have people being thieves. You don't have people with drug addiction. You don't have people with alcohol addiction. You don't have people with these major social issues when you've introduced them to a relationship with Christ. And that was, again, I really liked the article. I, I like uh, mm -hmm. the, whole, the whole part of yeah. it, especially under the revival theme. So. Amen. Yep. He's on the radio at 5 o'clock in the morning if anybody else is up that early. There so. you go. Is that like yeah. at 5.30 it's followed up by James uh, McDonald? James McDonald, And then yeah. it's... 5, 5.30 is James and McDonald, six, and then 6 o'clock is, is the, the, the old Luther, guy. He's your, a Luther. Guy. Uh, What's his name? Vernon McGee. Vernon oh, McGee. Jay, Jay, Ver Jay Vernon my McGee. My friend. Whoa. And, and the Six o'clock is my limit to radio if you're, hour. You if you're sleepy Christ on your way into work. I get one <laughs> hour of spirituality argument. every morning. That's, that's all that's I can handle. Argument. Oh, my yeah. goodness. The, the case yeah, for the case for Christ is a winning argument. Now, yeah. but, but Todd brought out a very good point. If you got somebody that's, that's lost and they're proud of it type thing, and you're, you're trying to win them, which movie do you think they're most likely to go to with you? The Shack or The Case for Christ? 
the case for Christ, they know what you're up to. <laughs> and, and, and I, you I guarantee you, if you look at the numbers at the end of this year, for how many people went to see the case, Christians are going to see yeah, the case for no Christ. Doubt. That's what's going to happen. And, it, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the relationships that exist now for Christians that are able to take that one friend that is on the, they're, they're teetering on the edge right. that will go see it. And that's what drives them over. But I guarantee you there it will be astronomically more people that go to Lost see people. the shack than, than go to Amen. see the case for Christ. And I think it's going to open many, many more conversations. And, and it, I'm going to end my whole shack debate on that movie is not what saves me. And, no, and I think that, you know, for anybody that is you. involved in the social, you know, that, that debate that we have, you know, that Gavin, not necessarily on this topic, but on other topics, you know, we get so... Um, viral about our side of the story and, and my, my point is that a movie doesn't save anybody it does however have some people asking questions that are mm -hmm. that could potentially lead them to a, to a discussion about salvation and if you find Amen. yourself getting bogged down with somebody about the, you know because because if it's not this it's the type of music you listen to or it's or, the, right. you know it's the version or of the bible you know <laughs> it, it's sidetrack after sidetrack after mm -hmm. sidetrack amen just ask the people you know we're going to have to agree to disagree on this, but I want to ask you a question. Give me a name of someone that you're trying to win to Christ right now that I can pray with you about. And that puts a laser beam on what really counts. Mm -hmm. Right. Amen. The main thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good night. Hey, thanks for thanks coming. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.